All right, folks, before we get to the main thing, I want to let you know that this episode of Oil & Gas Upstream is made possible by our good friends at Technip FMC. Now, you probably know them for their subsea business, but did you know that Technip FMC is doing fantastic things for the industry at the surface? The latest innovation is called Emission. And Emission will let you monitor and control vapor pressure in real time. To learn more, visit technipfmc.com. Oil and gas production is the union of natural systems with advanced science and complex engineering. Smart people across the globe create this remarkable place we call Upstream, and each day brings a new challenge. This is the Oil and Gas Upstream podcast, where we look at how these systems come together and learn from the people who make it happen. Welcome to Oil and Gas Upstream. I'm Elena Melkert, your host. Some of you know me as the former director for oil and gas upstream research at the U.S. Department of Energy. I retired from the DOE about a year ago and founded a small consultancy and became a podcast host. But before I introduce our guest, I want to thank Technique FMC for sponsoring this podcast. And I want to ask you to do me a big favor by answering a one-question survey. It takes about 10 seconds and the link is in the show notes. In return, we will happily send you some stickers or your laptop or your hard hat or your friends. And now I'd like to introduce today's guest, Alessandra Simone with Geostock Sandia. Hi, Alessandra. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, Elena. So Alessandra has a very, very wonderful career, and we'll ask her some more details about it. But basically, she's an experienced petroleum engineer with a passion for the intersection of energy and environmental projects. She is as comfortable in the lab environment, as well as supporting modeling efforts and framing project opportunities in a conference room. She thrives working in a multidisciplinary environment having developed her expertise through the entire reservoir life cycle, from exploration to production in six different countries. She believes that understanding physical processes at the right length scale is critical for successfully interpreting the reservoir. With over 20 years of experience in major oil and gas, Alessandra can help identify critical uncertainties in formation characterization as well as tailor and deploy data acquisition programs to de-risk potential projects. Alessandra completed her PhD in petroleum engineering at University of Houston, where she applied non-traditional oil and gas technology to predict acoustic velocities in unconventional rocks. Alessandra holds a Master of Science in Energy from Harriet Watt University and a BS in Aeronautical Engineering from Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. Welcome, Dr. Simone. What a wonderful (laughs) resume you have. You know, I always have to brag, my daughter is also an astronautic engineer. She went to Embry-Riddle, so we're very, very proud of her and very proud of you. And she looked at Rensselaer. It was a little colder. She went to school in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a wise choice, actually. (laughs) So, so Simone, you're from um, Venezuela and and you've got this great career. Wow. What's the secret to your success? <laughs> I guess, uh, I don't know, looking at life as an adventure uh, and appreciating every single little miracle that we sometimes take for granted. 
I think that uh, when you have fun, when you enjoy, when you keep a you know positive attitude and uh, look for opportunities, uh, you know you can turn even a gray day into a cozy day where you are just sipping hot chocolate and reading okay, a book. Okay, so well, we know Every the uh, we know the secret. It's your attitude. It's your wonderful and great attitude. Well, well, you know, completing a PhD is a non-trivial thing while you were working for um, Geostock. So, uh, wow. Tell us a little bit about your career. Give us an overview and we can pull out some of these uh, great uh, pieces from your resume. All right. Thank you, Elena. It's my pleasure. Um, And again, thank you for having me here. And I would love to share uh, some of the uh, inspiration that has been given to me uh, that perhaps can help others. So um, I got a scholarship. Uh, so I'm originally from Venezuela. Uh, my family is Italian, moved to Venezuela after World War II. So, you know, as an immigrant, it was always, you know, my aspiration to, you know, go overseas and uh, explore the world because why not? I mean, that's an adventure. And um, I got a scholarship as an aeronautical engineer, um, which I completed in, in you know, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. And obviously going back to Venezuela, which was my my dream and what I wanted to do to, you know, grow the country, I found myself gravitating towards oil and gas because, you know, it's a natural uh, professional career that, you know, people follow in Venezuela. And uh, it really gave me a wonderful opportunity, but I have to admit that it was hard initially for me to translate a lot of the the skills. I was uh, welcomed with open arms at uh, Shell Venezuela. It was fantastic. I had great mentors. And I think that that's one of the secrets of a great career is, you know, business is truly about relationships, right? And a career is truly about relationships. And when you build that uh, trust, which is, you know, part of the conversation that you and I have been having, Elena, is uh, phenomenal what you can do when people not only trusting you and have that confidence that you can do it, but, you know, plant the seeds so that you can grow uh, in whatever line. Um, so I was um, hired at Shell Venezuela to be a petrophysicist. Uh, I had to learn pretty much everything from scratch because I didn't know anything about geology or rocks. So I had to study very hard uh, to keep up with everything. You know, obviously I had all the math and all the physics and all the chemistry. Uh, which came with the, but I, I did learn that Shell hired quite a bit of uh, aeronautical engineers to work in the, you know, petrophysics department because of the uh, the natural skills that we brought in terms of interpretation and analytical process. So, um, you know, two years after I started in Shell Venezuela, ended up moving to the Netherlands, uh, worked for uh, Netherlands Ardoli Massapai, which is easy uh, for you to say. You know, NAM for short. No, it's not easy. <laughs> well, it is uh, really a combination of Shell and uh, ESO in um, the Netherlands, and it's kind of like their local um, oil and gas company. And I ended up moving to a very small town called Assen. Uh, was fantastic. I learned a lot about uh, what it was like to live uh, in a place that I had only heard from my grandfather, my Italian grandfather you know, what Europe was like during, you know, World War II and how hard it was. And, you know, coming from Venezuela, I took for granted really all the effort uh, that it took for society in Europe to really come together and actually overcome so many of the challenges that they naturally have because of weather, uh, because of um, geography, because of the multiple cultures. And, and it's 
it's very gracefully done. So I'm very grateful that um, I got to have the experience not only at the professional level, but also at the personal level. And um, I had my first child in uh, the Netherlands, so that added to my professional experience because I learned how to balance uh, whether I do a good job at it or not, I'm not sure, but you know, the work-life balance aspect was so important for me to learn early on. And I think that the Dutch, uh, you know, in general, try very, very hard to, to keep that in uh, family as a priority. So I, I really appreciated that in my career. Um, then I moved to Scotland, to Aberdeen, uh, where I became a um, development planner. So essentially I wanted to get more understanding of the petroleum engineering business. And I got to do some really interesting things because, you know, at that time I was really enabling the different assets that we were supporting through the business development cycle, uh, you know, whether it was business planning or integrating the, um, which I thought was the most fun, uh, the drilling sequence, right? So I had to work with the managers of the different assets to integrate all the resources, right? For the drilling sequence, offshore and onshore, and what's fascinating about it is, you know, how managers need to constantly uh, make decisions and choices on how to deploy resources, whether they're uh, drilling rigs or whether they're teams uh, and how they value each opportunity and what the delay of, you know, an exploration well could actually cause in terms of impact to the rest of the business. So, you know, that gave me a lot of balance. And through that time, um, I was doing my master's degree in uh, energy management, which I, I was very grateful to Herat Wild University for allowing me to do an online master's with them. It took about nine years because I was doing it while working full time and I had my second child in Scotland. So, you know, it, it was all fantastic. And I think as long as you're having fun, you keep going, right? Uh, and again, attitude, I think, Elena, that's exactly right. It's, you know, unless you have a great attitude and sense of humor and can just shake it off and, uh, you know, carry on with a big smile, it's, uh, you know, you stop at any obstacle, right? So, and, and obviously I had a great uh, support from, you know, family, friends, coworkers, etc. right? So after three years in uh, Scotland, um, got a job in the U.S. Uh, with Shell, uh, exploration and production um, international uh, in the U.S., uh, working in Houston. And um, I had already started working CCUS projects when I was um, doing my master's at Harry Watt University because uh, Shell UK wanted to look at the brand field for repurposing, you know, towards, you know, its final stages as they were thinking about decommissioning. Well, there was a lot of oil left behind that uh, they wanted to access uh, through, you know, enhanced oil recovery. So they needed somebody to look at the use of CO2 for enhanced oil recovery. And I thought like, hey, this will be fun if I do it for my dissertation, for my master's. Uh, I can actually study a really fascinating field, like the brand field. And then I can start, you know, getting into an area that I've always wanted to go. So, you know... My dream as an aeronautical engineer was, um, and one of the projects I did was building helicopters for firefighting, for fighting forest fires, right? And I thought, you know, what a great way to apply whatever talents, you know, God gives us, you know, in, you know, in our mind, in our in capacity to uh, engage with others, uh, to actually help humanity, right? So I thought, well, this is great. And then all of a sudden I get a job in oil industry and I'm like, well, Okay, great, fantastic. So how does this link up to that 
greater mission, right? And I'm thinking, well, yes, I understand uh, energy is absolutely vital. I mean, like, you know, society cannot exist without energy. But, uh, you know, I, I, I want to have a more direct understanding of, as to what my impact in the, you know, greater picture and the better, uh, you know, humanity, I don't know, any, anything that we can do to improve uh, the situation for everyone. And um, I started digging into, you know, the CO2 capture and sequestration because at the time, which was uh, year 2002, roughly, right? Um, you know, people were starting to talk about it as a concept. And I thought, well, this is interesting. So I got approached, uh, you know, to work in this, you know, as part of my master's. I'm like, absolutely, I love it. And then I started coming with my own ideas. And I said, like, well, what about combining enhanced cell recovery with sequestration? Well, long story short, you know, the assessment um, resulted in, you know, the conclusion that obviously the facilities are built for, uh, you know, 30 year development, 40 year development, whatever it is, you know, the North Sea has such rough conditions that you really cannot, uh, you know, really redeploy the metallurgy that is using the, you know, anything, any part of the system to a corrosive fluid such as CO2. Uh, so ultimately, the conclusion is, yes, it is doable. Yes, it will be beneficial, but you're better off uh, in terms of economics, actually doing a subsea development with new materials and, you know, dedicating it that way. So that may or may not happen. I'm not sure. You know, it's up to Shell, obviously, but it really opened up a world of endless possibilities for me. So as I'm coming back to the U.S. Uh, to work uh, in um, Shell Exploration, Shell International Exploration and Production, um, I started working CCUS projects because they needed somebody who who had the disposition and wanted to do this because nobody really wanted to touch it. Everybody was trying to continue on gas. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll you know, for that. Absolutely. I love it. It's so much fun. So um, I worked two projects uh, before working the third and most amazing project I've worked, uh, you know, or I had worked in my career until then because I'm obviously working on fantastic projects right now, but um, that is the Quest uh, project, which was really, uh, it came about because of license to operate uh, for the Scottford refinery in Canada. So Canada being, uh, you know, they signed the Kyoto Protocol, right? Shell wanted to expand the, uh, yeah, essentially one of the trains for their operations at the Scottford refinery. And, you know, the Canadian government, um, you know, explicitly said, well, in order to do that, you need to have a CO2 capture and sequestration solution. So, you know, my um, team leader at the time, Jorge Manrique, had a phenomenal vision and he started engaging with them and he looked for me and said, what do you think about doing this project? I'm like, yep, I'm all in, I love it. So we started really from the very beginning of uh, identifying, you know, where to inject the CO2, uh, so we did it all the way from screening to uh, development through the multiple uh, generations of models uh, in order to determine how the plume of CO2 was going to propagate, the pressure front, etc. And then identify the, the development concept and deploy it. You know, obviously we had to talk to regulators, we had to talk to the community, and we had to ultimately, you know, to um, engage every uh, stakeholder in order to get the social license in order to get the you know government license everything to enable the project to be deployed successfully and obviously you start baselining and monitoring so that you can demonstrate it can be done safely sustainably for uh 
you know, whatever period of time, right? So, you know, depends on where you are. So um, after I did that, my tenure was about five years, ended up going to Brazil. I did uh, about two years of uh, deep water uh, Brazil development, which was interesting culturally and, uh, you know, getting to explore the world, like I said before. And then for the children uh, at the time, you know, it was it was fascinating. And, you know, and um, coming from Venezuela, it will give them a little opportunity to see a bit of South America. Ended up coming back to the U.S. Uh, and, um, you know, working for Statoil, uh, which was deep water Gulf of Mexico exploration. Another set of skills that were fascinating and all of these adding to how do I make it better? How do I make an impact to improve uh society or improve uh, conditions for others and enable others as I transfer knowledge, as I share with them, you know, everything that I've learned, like, hey, what do you think and how can we grow together? So I ended up uh, doing a PhD um, from uh, going from Statoil to University of Houston. I always wanted to do a PhD in petroleum engineering. So about uh, 2016, I started doing a PhD, which I uh, just completed. And, um, you know, at one point during my PhD, I decided, well, it's about time I start consulting. It's about time I reconnect myself with industry because this is what I really want to do. And, uh, you know, Geostocks and the uh, offered me a position, which to me was phenomenal, a great opportunity. And I said, you know, if they're gracious enough to allow me to finish the PhD, which they did, and I'm very, very grateful to them. So huge recognition for that. Uh, yeah, I've been able to merge all and contribute back and forth between the university as well as uh, Geostocks and DIA, uh, not only by the technology that I'm learning, but also how to engage others so that, you know, we, uh, we grow together. So that's long story, but it really captures everything that I've done in my career, especially towards becoming an enabler to either business or people. Wow. Wow. Excellent career. Excellent. And you're so, uh, and you took us right through it really quickly, but I do have a, I have, I have a few questions. Um, so, so you talked about, um, that being a petroleum engineer in Venezuela was a real common major, common for women as well. Yeah, actually, I, I have to say that, um, the, the whole culture, I think in uh, PDVSA and, you know, like some of the international companies that came, I mean, it, it made it very attractive, uh, for women, uh, I think there is a very strong culture in Venezuela for people to get higher education. Okay. So there is a, a big combination, but I remember being a child and obviously, you know, recognition to, to my parents, my family, they, they really loved me into, you know, believing and, and, you know, trusting myself that I can achieve anything essentially. And I remember, you know, them really encouraging me since I was very little to dream and to, uh, think uh, higher and to think about, you know, what degree I wanted and, you know, university. And of course, you know, I having gone on a scholarship overseas was a huge achievement. It was a great opportunity to open doors. But I do think that a lot of families, I mean, that that is kind of the dream. It's not just, um, you know, working for a salary, but actually having a purpose. And I think that a lot of that gets encouraged through education and, and there is a huge recognition for that. And women, I mean, I do think that Venezuela has a very uh, strong, uh, you know, passionate 
women that can <laughs> pretty much uh, help and nurture others. And, you know, and again, there is also a, a culture of having fun and coming together as a community. So I think that that's what's really kept us going. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Petroleum engineer is a it's a big career for women in uh, Venezuela. That's so exciting. You know, I remember in my early career going to um, OTC um, or the big, you know, the big conferences, SPE. And, you know, every everywhere you go um, in normal life, there's always a line at the ladies room, right? Because they're always too small, except <laughs> at OTC or <laughs> SPE. It's like you've got the whole place to yourself. So so that's very, very interesting yeah. that um Venezuela is so encouraging to women petroleum engineers. But you didn't start out in petroleum engineering, right? You started out in uh, astronautics or aeronautics engineering. So, so, and you yes. said because you wanted to build helicopters for firefighting. Now, where did that come from? <laughs> I think, like I said before, you know, my parents really encouraged me to dream big. And I remember uh thinking well you know what what is the most amazing thing i could do and then i started exploring uh, you know i wanted to do something different i wanted to be uh you know not really follow the trend that everybody was doing so a little bit of a, a rebellious side in me i was like okay well you know i'm gonna explore something different and you know what about if i uh started aeronautical engineering and then all of a sudden i become the first woman in venezuela to actually uh kind of um you know, promote uh, that industry and, you know, maybe through any kind of uh, government uh, type support, etc. And, you know, ended up being that life took me in a different direction, which I thought was fantastic. I did get actually a job offer uh, for an internship, not not really a job, uh, but for Boeing um, on the 777 uh, when I was finishing my degree in aeronautical engineering. And, um, you know, at the time, things happened in a way that ended up leading me to taking a job with Shell, which I'm very grateful for because it really brought me closer to my purpose. And, you know, I hope we get to talk a little bit about some of the projects that really, to me, have connected the dots into the, the huge impact that petroleum engineers can have in, yeah, in, in the world beyond gen energy generation. Well, well, let's do that now. What, what are some of those projects? Yeah. Well, so um, funnily, when, you know, working through a major operator, you see the world in a certain way, right? And we talk about millions, if not billions of dollars, like, <laughs> like we're talking about, I don't know, going to the store to shop, right? And of course, you know, with the due diligence, and obviously, we're dotting the I's and crossing the T's, making sure that all the projects are going to be successful. And of course, you know, we have all the processes for technical assurance, making sure that we're going in the right direction, right? So as I'm, I'm working for, you know, major operators for over 20 years, it really uh, contextualized my world as a professional, right? And then, you know, I step out of that bubble, and I go to academia. I go to do my PhD, which is a, an extremely humbling experience. And I think that's an understatement. Uh, so being a student after being recognized as a subject matter expert uh, in my career, you know, and being treated like everybody else and, you know, being a teaching assistant and all that, it's like, well, this is interesting, but it's fun. Let's see, <laughs> let's see what comes of it, right? And then, um, you know, you start seeing the world really in a different way right and start having a lot more empathy and understanding right then all of a sudden um 
you know, I started consulting. Uh, consulting is very different than, you know, all of a sudden having, you know, $20 million in your pocket. I mean, you know, as a consultant, you're really uh, trying to bring things together and proposing, you know, even if you are certain of the value that it carries, unless you can <laughs> convey it to the client and uh, you can't just simply say, Trust me, I know what I'm doing. No, you can't do that. Nice if you could, you have to. (laughs) Right? No, you can't. And it's true. And I think that you know, it really uh, gave me a completely different angle to my professional skills. Um, You know, that engagement that is so important to really reach results together. Right. So going through that, uh, you know, doing independent petroleum engineering consulting. And then uh, coming to Geostock Sandia, where, you know, it's, it is a phenomenal company to work for. Uh, it's an environmental company. We specialize in injection um, wells and uh, caverns, right? We are tied to an arm in France, which is uh, Geostock, which actually manages the strategic petroleum reserves for France, you know, in underground caverns, right? So, you know, Geostock Sandia approached me to do uh, CCUS projects, which I thought, you know, was first of all, what I really wanted to do, what I've wanted to do all my life. But, you know, they introduced me to another uh, aspect of injection wells, which is class one wells, which are for, you know, waste injection, right? So all of a sudden I find myself doing this project for a chemical plant, um, you know, in in a location in Mexico, which I thought, well, this is interesting. Let's see, you know, what comes of this because I, I think it's fascinating. So, you know, we draw an expression well, which, you know, very favorable, etc. But, you know, what I took out of the entire exercise, because obviously, you know, we engage with the experts that we we needed to engage in order to make the project successful. The whole thought of having a chemical plant in a community and the jobs that are generated from a chemical uh, plant, right? So it doesn't stop at the plant itself. You know, the impact in the community, be it transport, being, you know, uh, hospitality, being, you know, uh, the food industry, whatever it is, you know, you have an entity that is such a central part of the community because of the number of jobs that it generates that, you know, we understand that deep injection wells are there to protect and enable sustainability for the, um, you know, the purpose of the chemical plant, right? So you need to put away the waste, absolutely. So how do you do it? You have different choices. You can do it in landfills or you can do it, uh, you know, disposing in, you know, certain areas, but you really want to do it uh, deep on the ground so that you really put it away. It's not, you know, as long as you do it safely, you protect the uh, underground aquifers, which is what I've learned through this tenure in my career. And uh, I think it really turned everything, put it, all in perspective for me, you know, as a petroleum engineer, and, you know, we talk about energy transition and we're thinking the application of multiple different types of technology, but to me, it's way more than that. It's actually a shift in the culture, a shift in, you know, we've gained all these skills, which are phenomenal for uh, generation of energy, which is fundamental, it's essential. And whether it's, you know, through oil and gas or renewables or any kind of technology, you have to do it always with the ultimate purpose in mind, which is people, right? So to me, uh, you know, I was always looking and, and, and praying in a way uh, to really find that purpose for it to all bring together because when you find your purpose, everything just flows easily. Everything you do, it's, you know, you, 
if you're already passionate about it because you find that it's fun and intellectually gratifying, you know, it just adds that one, um, yeah, it just elevates it and it makes it that much more powerful. So I think to me, that's a huge message to share uh, with everyone. I've seen so many different talks on energy transition and application of petroleum engineering skills. I just want to open that door to everyone to know that, you know, if anything, this is a great time to invest in your education, invest in your growth. And uh, we are going to see, you know, the industry has already changed. There's no denying it. Um, you know, we have to be proactive. We have to be very creative and understand that our skills are there, not for a paycheck. They're there for a purpose. And that's what that project did for me. Wow, that is wonderful. And and you're so right. The, um, the on, on, on so many levels, and one of my, my key themes right now is um, energy poverty, energy literacy, under understanding that, um, energy diversity. Um, and so so absolutely, you know, the, the wealth of a nation is tied to its natural resources, both those physical resources as well as the human resources. And, and so that's just so fantastic that you've been able to connect all of that to that and make contributions in that area. Wow, that's so exciting. Well, we are almost at our time and you're fascinating. We have to, we have to come back for, for, for what? Your children must be multi, multilingual, right? Uh, if you've lived in so many yes. countries as well as, as well as you and, and, uh, and now you, you, you've launched your, your PhD. That's so exciting. There's always a little bit of, you know, pain for that. You know, I worked for the Department of Energy for over 30 years and, um, and I started Boots in the Field and ended up in, you know, policy technology interface, uh, managing research portfolio and upstream for the Department of Energy. And so one time I was talking with someone and, um, and I said, yeah, well, I, I earned my PhD the hard way, you know, and then, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got a reaction. I go, I'm just kidding. There's no easy way to earn a PhD. There's <laughs> no easy way. It's just blood, sweat, and tears, and then some. So we're very proud of you for that. You're a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful example um, for you, young Elena. people, especially in the um, upstream oil and gas uh, arena, uh, and for the you know for petroleum engineering and the future of of energy here in the United States as well. So I just I just I'm so grateful that you were able to join us today. Um, like I said, we're we're Thank closing you. out now. Do you have any last thoughts you want to share with everyone before we close out? Absolutely. I think that um, you know. Part of uh, the lessons I've learned, I guess, and I think during COVID as well, right? Like, you know, during these uh, last uh, three years that have been so testing to so many is that, you know, we are resilient and the resilience that we have really lies in our, our ability to continue hoping and dreaming in the face of adversity, no matter what. And I think that uh, part of what I've seen, you know, I mean, take it being from Venezuela, right? And all the challenges that we've had, you know, you see that the people that have the most success are not the ones that, you know, had it easy. I mean, we're known by the trials that we overcome, right? Uh, and I do think that, you know, I would encourage people to use that power that is in you, dream big, always, you know, the sky's the limit, right? And I do think that uh, we all need everyone to contribute because everybody is precious exactly as they are. Do not
fall into the trap of, you know, any kind of uh, societal, uh, you know, predefinition. No, I mean, break through those barriers. I think that that's what, uh, if anything, what COVID um, taught, taught everyone is that you have the power and you have the strength to overcome and to, uh, you know, make it better and better every time. It doesn't matter what, what's happening. I think uh, goes back to my childhood. I mean, imagine growing up listening to all these World War II stories from uh, my grandparents. And I mean, can you imagine being in the midst of it and not knowing if it will ever end or how it would end, right? And you still have to figure it out and you still have to be happy. You know, it doesn't matter what life throws at you, just enjoy it right there and then. And I think um, that's what we have to do. I think that um, I want to give a message of hope, of encouragement, of positivity. I think that um, you know, the, the message on the energy transition uh, for petroleum engineers is, you know, if you have to reinvent yourself, reinvent yourself. Invest in yourself. Time is precious and life is an adventure. Make the most of it. I think, uh, you know, again, having a PhD after, you know, 27 years, I do have uh, one of my the other PhD students. I mean, he's, I don't know about, I don't know how many years my senior. He's my senior. And I asked him, like, hey, why are you doing this? He's like, well, you know, this is what I want to do right now. And it's fun. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So I think that investing in yourself uh, whenever you want to do it, but also knowing your better purpose, do take the time to find it because everybody, every single person is needed. All hands on deck, right? So absolutely. Oh, I couldn't have said that better. Oh, thank you so much for your your words of encouragement and support and uh, and challenge. You know, challenge to people to uh, you know never give up, never you know keep going, keep moving, keep moving forward. You can only go up, and it's not about how hard you fall; it's about how quickly you can get back up and and continue um, the to develop yourself and, and the challenges. Well, Alessandra, Doctor Alessandra Simone of Geostock <laughs> Sandia, thank you so much for being our guest today and for sharing all of your contributions to upstream oil and gas and your enth enthusiasm and your uh, inspiration and your attitude uh, for for moving forward and getting things done. I, I appreciate you you being here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share this oh, message. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please give us a review and tell us what you'd like to hear and hear more about in the future uh, podcast. This is Elena Melkert, your host for Oil & Gas Upstream. More next time. Join us again next week on the Oil & Gas Upstream podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.